0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, March 13th, 2022. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector. Our preacher today is Mandy Rice, MDiv.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations
0: of my heart be ever acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm Mandy Rice. I'm a healthcare chaplain locally and also a member down the street at the parish of St. Paul. Um, this is my first visit to Grace Church and I already have a number of gratitudes for your parish community. To include gratitude to Reverend Regina for her guidance to me when I was in Divinity School and gratitude to Connie Khan, who served on my discernment committee around ordination Um, So they have helped to shape the chaplain that I am. And I'm grateful to join you all today and get to share a little bit from my work and think together about what it means to walk in love with those facing illness. And I say think together because I imagine that as I talk, you'll be talking back at me in your head at some points. Certainly I was talking and tussling with myself as I was writing. Because illness and disability is a subject where many of us have expertise as a patient um, or a caregiver or a family member. And often that has been hard earned. And if we don't have those experiences, we are very young or very rare, maybe both. And a global pandemic (laughs) makes this clear in like the most um, big scale way. That our bodies are susceptible, every human one of us. I remember about exactly two years ago working on a rehab floor, and I was making rounds visits. Everybody has their TV on because you know, like, what else is there to do when you're not in PT or OT or you know working on lunch? Um, So I'm going from room to room, having conversations, and the TV is on the in the background. Um, And it's all news coverage about COVID and about Congress and this massive legislation that they were passing right at the beginning, sweeping plan to um, take action in light of the pandemic. And I remember thinking about the expansiveness of that plan and like, oh, is this what happens when we realize that we're all in this together and we all have some shared vulnerability? and i really felt that bond in that moment this sort of like bubble of time right at the beginning feeling how all the nurses and all the pcas and all the patients all the chaplains that we all shared this sort of exposure to something we didn't know yet and looking out at you still with your masks on i know you have shared that vulnerability as have all your loved ones um, as have every human on earth in their various walks and ways. And so COVID's made clear our common human physical vulnerability, Um, but that vulnerability has been part of our human story since well back into Jesus's time, which is why he spent so much of his time going around doing the work of healing. He's encountering people bearing unbearable physical and spiritual suffering one woman and bleeds without ceasing someone else is blind um, some are tortured by mental suffering or demons and so these are the stories that feature frequently in our scripture you could name your favorite um, and in today's gospel reading we heard Jesus' own life threatened if he didn't cut it out with all of this curing um, and get on with whatever else he had to do somewhere else thank you very much so (laughs) healing the question of healing the curing that he's doing is like a whole other sermon um, because there's really thoughtful theological work by people with disabilities who question sort of the common christian interpretations of of these healings and what bodies are holier and what bodies matter or are favored so we're going to consciously put a pin in those questions knowing that in our lectionary The theme of healing is going to come back around. I think it's next week, in fact. Um, So if you can't wait till next week to talk about this, we can talk about it at coffee hour. Because today's sermon is about walking in love with those facing illness. So those who haven't yet been healed, who may not be cured in this lifetime. Those about whom Jesus said, I was sick and you visited me. As many of us know, he says that to the disciples and they're like, what do you mean we visited you when you were sick? When were you sick? And Jesus says that truly whatever we do to those on the margins, we do for him. Jesus teaches us that to be with the sick and suffering and to see the image of God in them is to understand the divinity itself that we are tending to. God's own self wrapped up in the person that we're visiting, whether that person is our family or friend, our foe, or a stranger that we haven't ever met before. I think of this through my lens as a chaplain, but also as a family member. My own dad is sick right now, and actually um, he's in a hospital. He's getting wonderful love and care because I have four other siblings who are around him. But while I was writing my first draft of this sermon, a little text message popped up in the corner of my screen from one of my brothers, saying that the chaplain had been by at the hospital to say prayers with my dad and to anoint him. And I was sitting in the library reading room and I just started crying and like, then my mask is all wet and you you know that. (laughs) Um, But it was so powerful for me to be here, but to know that someone else was not only with him, but was seeing in him um, that sacredness and marking him as holy. Um, That is the goal for us as people of faith, at least as far as I see it, to live in recognition of the fact that God is in each one of us and then to act in awareness of it to grow closer and closer to it and mark it. And that's the spirit in which we visit those who are facing illness. Chaplains learn a whole toolkit for this work, but much of it is really simple to learn conceptually. Things like ask questions, listen well. Um, Some of the questions that I ask, I've learned along the way that I like. Um, There was a chaplain at, the brigham who always used to ask like what is sustaining you in all of this like how are you keeping going and that question i've gotten a lot out of but also what are some of the hardest parts how can i pray for you would you like to pray together all of those open up powerful conversations and connections and yet it's not always about talking either you may know the story of the quaker educator parker palmer He had a long and very deep depression in his adulthood where he could barely get out of bed. And someone in his life came every week on a particular time just to see him and sit and rub his feet. And he couldn't talk to her. He really didn't interact much, but he knew that she was there. And he looks back to that presence and commitment as as a way of her reaching deep into his spirit through these other means. So I could stop this sermon right now if all of this was easy to just go out and do and you had a list in your mind of like, oh yeah, these are the top five people I wanna go visit and the COVID-friendly ways that I will go visit them. Um, Loving care, if that was the case, wouldn't really belong in a sermon series on care with those at the margins. You wouldn't need any more thoughts or advice because you would be doing it right now already. Um, But I have a couple reasons to think that for many of us, it isn't as easy to walk in love with those who are facing illness. One hint is that Jesus has to tell us over and over to do it. And we humans today are not so different from the humans 2,000 years ago. That if people were already going around wholeheartedly committed to this work, we wouldn't need the living God to instruct us to do it. I also have people tell me routinely like, oh God, I could never do your job. And sometimes they say it respectfully and sometimes they almost sound like they pity me. Um, But even among clergy who have to do a lot of, um, typically have to do their pastoral care education in hospital settings, that sometimes is one of the hardest hurdles toward getting ordained because being with people who are sick and who are suffering can bring up our memories of things we've been through or loved ones it can bring up our fears it can bring up our sense of powerlessness and the third reason i think it's hard is because even with my professional training and a sense of call i regularly run into challenges with this um i talked about it yesterday with another chaplaincy colleague which helped make it easier for me to bring this into conversation with you but um in my experience i don't do the work of healthcare chaplaincy because i have fully integrated the truth that visiting the sick is visiting with jesus i do it because god's called me to learn it over and over and over so i don't want to make it sound like it's impossible or that those facing illness are a burden. But as far as I can tell, it's just not so easy for many people. And it's a high bar to walk in love. It demands much from us because we have our range of comforts. So my current work involves uh, patient care on a locked psychiatric unit. And for you, visiting with people who are experiencing mental illness might be comfortable. That might be far outside your comfort. For me, it's on the more familiar end, um, because I myself was a patient on a locked psychiatric unit a couple decades ago when I was a teenager. So there is weight to that work, certainly, um, but it still feels more or less like visiting with my people. (laughs) But then one of my chaplaincy colleagues left and all of a sudden I was taking her patients too um, and visiting with babies on ventilators. Which was brand new to me and it felt like my skill set wasn't adequate to the work at hand but i reminded myself like these are my patients i am their only chaplain Um, and so since last july i've been visiting that unit as well and getting to know their parents and caregivers learning which babies i can hold and how to do that and The number one thing that gets me into rooms when it's hard, the number one thing that that helps me engage is just knowing that I am told to, that it's a commitment that I've made. And so I cross myself before I walk onto the unit and I pay attention to the feeling that's in the bottom of my feet as a grounding practice. I pay attention to the feeling, um, right? Pay attention to the feeling and I pray for God's help in doing it which is sometimes all that we can do so I imagine God behind me listening to everything that I am hearing so that I don't have to carry it alone and I look for guidance from the Holy Spirit about where it is exactly that I'm supposed to end up and I find that guidance more often than I would have thought when I started this work and learned it pretty early on. When I was um, interning at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, it just happened that they were redoing all of their medical record systems. And there were some glitches, as happens with technological upgrades. And so if a new patient came in to Dana-Farber, the person in admissions would kindly take down all of their information, would say, would you like to see a chaplain? And the person would say yes, and that data would get entered in the computer, and it would go precisely nowhere, at least not to us. So spiritual care could run a report of who had requested to see a chaplain, and it was just a blank piece of paper. And in that moment, obviously, we worked on the tech end to get that fixed as soon as possible, but we're also sort of really reliant on the Holy Spirit and on making rounds on the floors to identify who it is that needs us most. And I remember coming up maybe to the fifth floor, getting off, um, and walking a couple rooms in and just feeling like, oh, I need to stop in this room. And the woman like burst into tears and she said, I can't believe you've come already. I said, Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm and she said it hasn't even been 15 minutes since I asked the nurse if a chaplain could come and she was sitting there for her first infusion she's by herself and praying right that someone would come to be with her and by the grace of God it happened that that was me and so in this work I find um more than anything, the presence of God making it possible to do this work that we're called to. I think about Jesus's image of a hen with her wings wrapped around her children. And that God is sort of like trying to guide us in the right direction, trying to hold us fast when we get afraid. Um, it's, Lent, it's a time of repentance, of turning around, of finding new paths. And the the word for repentance in Hebrew is teshuvah, like literally a a word around turning around, but built into that idea, at least as um, one of my rabbinical colleagues, um, Rabbi Judy Ehrlich, taught me that that has in it the idea that we're headed back towards some original goodness, something in us that knows where we want to be, that's following God's call. And so I think for many of us, you know, Jesus in today's gospel, he's healing. People try and shoo him off his path, and he's like, no, I'm staying here. I'm not Jesus. I get knocked off the path all the time, get wandering away. And this season is a time specifically of coming back and coming back to that by the grace of God. Amen. Amen.